morning, everyone. It is actually game week in the Big Ten. Boy, do we wait a long time to say that, but we can finally say it here on the A Few Good Men in the Big Ten podcast. Uh, I'm Bruce Hooley. Andy Anders joining us. We've got a little bit of feedback, but we'll uh, take care of that. Andy, how excited are you that we have uh, actual Big Ten football to not just talk about, but watch? I am jacked. Uh, been waiting a long time for this. Uh, obviously, all the ups and downs we went through the month, we thought it wasn't going to happen until the spring. And then to get it back, uh, all the preparation that's gone in, the month we've waited since it did come back. Now, finally, it is game week again in the Big Ten. Uh, yes. Um, Yes, it is, and we have some decent games in the Big Ten. Uh, the headline game, uh, of course, the first game out of the shoot will be Ohio State against Nebraska. Big noon kickoff on Fox. Uh, that one has more allure, really, in name and tradition than it does in actuality. Ohio State is more than a three-touchdown favorite in that one, and I don't expect, Andy, that the Buckeyes will have any trouble covering, and I honestly would be surprised and I'm not giving uh, advice here on how to bet the game because I'm not a betting expert. But thankfully, those of you watching the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast can get the betting expertise you need because we are sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. We've teamed together with them to provide special gaming offers to all Landry Football followers and podcast listeners. Here's what you do. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right-hand side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, like BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet. Sign up instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It is that easy. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located upper right-hand side, get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. So I'm not an expert, Andy, but I'm just, I was saying I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State covers that spread by halftime. No, I, uh, I, I they are clearly the better team in this matchup. Nebraska, um, I don't see any chance of them pulling off some big upset here, especially just the way uh, you and I have been covering the team, knowing how they've come together really Mm -hmm. throughout this uh, pandemic. And Nebraska did kind of the same thing, but this is just as close of a team as you could imagine for Ohio State. And I think they'll be on point come kickoff this Saturday. Uh, We want to thank you for watching the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast on the Chris Landry football channel on Twitch. Thank you for being a part of that broadcast. Do us a favor and hit the follow button. It's located in the bottom right of the screen. It's the little heart, and once you do that, you'll receive an email or text notification every time that we go live on the Chris Landry football show. Every single time. Just click on the link in the message, and you will be watching us live. It's just that easy. All right, Andy, let's uh, go through... The games that we have on the schedule, and then we'll get into some of the particulars about each particular school. Here's the uh, got to play them, but don't have to watch them categories. Uh, Rutgers at Michigan State. Maryland at Northwestern. Uh, Illinois, Wisconsin is a little bit interesting because of Graham Murs, a quarterback at Wisconsin. Iowa, Purdue. That's interesting because we don't know if Jeff Brom is going to be coaching. Uh, then we get into some of the more meaty matters. Penn State at Indiana. Uh, Nebraska at Ohio State, we mentioned, and finally, Michigan at Minnesota. If you had to pick a game that uh, you would watch, aside from the one we are you know, watching in the course of our uh, normal professional activities, Ohio State and Nebraska, 
Which one of those games would intrigue you the most on the Big Ten schedule for opening weekend? We also, I did mention Purdue, Iowa at Purdue. Well, absolutely Michigan, Minnesota, I think. Uh, obviously, Michigan going to have to break in a new quarterback this year. Joe Milton, is he the answer finally for Harbaugh at quarterback? Uh, thought Shea Patterson was that, and he's had some issues. He had some issues, obviously, uh, trying to overcome Ohio State, trying Mm -hmm. to do certain things in that offense the past couple seasons. Can Michigan finally overcome that hump? I think Minnesota definitely has some holes on defense uh, where you could exploit. However, Minnesota's offense will be exciting to watch this year. It actually gets me kind of amped for that game. When you talk about Tanner Morgan getting Rashad Bateman back, they Mm -hmm. return all five starters on the offensive line. So – that's the game I'll be looking forward to seeing the most uh, this weekend, probably. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one. And, uh, you know, new offensive coordinator at Minnesota because uh, Kirk Soroka has headed on over to Penn State. Uh, Don Brown still the defensive coordinator at Michigan. And honestly, Andy, I wouldn't have given you very good odds on Don Brown remaining at Michigan after the way Ohio State lit up Michigan for the second straight year at the end of the year. I just thought maybe the Harbaugh-Don Brown tenure had uh, reached its end. Uh, a lot of Michigan fans were upset with Don Brown, who so far has uh, shown an ability to put together a great defense until the game that he absolutely positively has to win, that season-ending finale against Ohio State. It's not all Don Brown's fault, but when your defense gives up the kind of points that they have given up the last two years against OSU – uh, you got to do some really difficult inventory of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And if Minnesota comes out with, as you mentioned, an entire returning starting offensive line, Rashad Bateman, who was opting out and then opted back in, Tanner Morgan, who next to Justin Fields, clearly the second-best quarterback in the Big Ten last season, and plenty of time to prepare for all the wrinkles that Michigan has shown before under Don Brown, it would not surprise me if Minnesota put up a lot of points against Michigan. I'm not guaranteeing that that's going to be a win for Minnesota because I think Michigan has some weapons on the offensive side and we don't know much about the Gophers. But I would assume that one's going to be a pretty high-scoring affair. It will surprise me if Michigan's defense, young and unproven, holds up well against Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Another interesting one to watch this weekend certainly will be Penn State, Indiana. Um, I'll talk about Indiana a little more later. They're kind of my sleeper pick for the Big Ten. But that game uh, will be interesting to see exactly how much losing Micah Parsons affects the Penn State defense because that Indiana offense is legit. They've got a really good offensive unit this year. Uh, Indiana returns a lot on defense, but they're kind of, you know, they've never been known for their defense in the Big Ten exactly. So seeing how they'll stack up against the Penn State offense. And is this kind of the next step for Indiana this season? A lot of interesting storylines entering that game that I think will be interesting to see. What do you, I don't know. What What do you think about that game? Bruce? I agree with you. I think that's a real danger game for Penn State. Uh, you have a new offense with Kirk Soroka coming over from Minnesota. You've got uh, some, prop, some, some unsettled spots, unproven spots on the offensive line. Wide receivers at Penn State are, I think they have nine of them, but they still don't know beyond maybe the top one who's going to step in and be somebody they can count on at that position. And Indiana, coming on the schedule the week before Penn State plays at home against Ohio State, it just seems like a very possible trap game for Penn State. They have struggled over in Bloomington before. Tom Allen, as you, as you mentioned, has done a nice job at Indiana, shoring up the defensive side of the football. Uh, Michael Penix, 
he can be explosive at the quarterback position. So that one to me is one that Penn State can't be looking ahead to Ohio State coming into University Park next week because if so, uh, they might welcome the Buckeyes with an 0-1 record. No, absolutely. Uh, you, you've got to you got to hone in on that game. Uh, who are, now, Bruce? I'm kind of curious uh, as we're kind of previewing the season here. You've got obviously eight games to figure out the Big Ten standing. Mm-hmm. Not usually we get our nine, right? But who do you see as the winner from each of these? divisions going in who who do you think from the east and who do you think is going to come out from the west well I don't think there'll be any surprises in the east I'm going to pick Ohio State I uh, watch Clemson on Saturday and I'll stick by my guns that uh, I would take Ohio State Clemson in the national title game right now over the field even though Alabama looked pretty good against Georgia I just expect to see out of Ohio State on Saturday the same kind of high-level efficiency and elite performance offensively that we saw out of Clemson against Georgia Tech, putting up 52 in the first half, and they could have scored 100 if they wanted to. Uh, they, they ended up with 73. So I think Ohio State clearly is the class of the East. And then out of the West, I just, uh, despite the injury to Jack Cohn, uh, having watched just a few highlights of Graham Murs, and granted, they don't put incompletions on highlight reels that they release uh, from uh, Badger practices. But Graham Mers to me, this might be uh, a good thing for Wisconsin that Graham Mers was thrust into the starting block by uh, Jack Cohn's injury because he throws a really nice deep ball. They have three, I think, senior wide receivers led by Danny Davis. Wisconsin has to figure out a way to become more of a dink and dunk passing team they can't just throw it to their tight ends and throw it to Garrett Groshek out of the backfield they've got to find a way to get the ball downfield and stretch the field and that'll make things so much easier for Nakia Watson in the offensive uh, run attack so I'm going to take Wisconsin out of the west I know it's not um, uh, earth-shattering surprising picks but I'm going chalk the two teams that have dominated those divisions I think will dominate them again how about you well, for obvious uh, reasons, Ohio State out of the East, I think they're one of the most complete teams in college football this year, if not the most complete alongside Clemson. Like we talked about this before, both of us are taking Ohio State and Clemson against the field to reach the national title this season. Uh, from the West, I think there's some interesting questions on Wisconsin's offense there uh, and defense. You lose Chris Orr and Zach Bond at linebacker. Uh, who's going to step up and replace those guys? Is Wisconsin going to be able to get the same pass rush they did last year? Such a huge part of their success. Um, I do like Graham Mertz at quarterback. I think he's really talented, but he's going to need some time to adjust. Mm-hmm. Do Does Wisconsin maybe slip up in that time and get upset like they did last year? I think Quintez Cephas is a huge loss. Agreed. Uh, and one that not a lot of people have talked about because he was one of the more underrated players in the Big Ten last season. But what he did for their passing offense is a weapon that Wisconsin doesn't often have at the receiver position. So who's going to step up and fill those shoes and be, like you said, give Wisconsin the ability to spread the football around the field and open up the running game? Because here's the thing, if Wisconsin wants to win a Big Ten title, they found out time and time again the past few years, if you try to run straight out of Ohio State, that's what they defend best. Mm-hmm. You have to be able, you have to be two-dimensional on offense. You can't just run the ball. So uh, I, I think there is an opportunity for Minnesota to take the next step in the West Division when you consider all they return on the offensive side. The question marks on defense really worry me for them, especially on the interior, because of course Wisconsin is going to run downhill on you mm-hmm. and 
the uh, Wisconsin-Minnesota game could end up as a de facto Big Ten West title game again this year. Uh, but to me, I will give the Badgers the slight edge as you did. I'm also taking chalk. Nothing too exciting today on the Big Ten. Uh, a few good men on the Big Ten podcast. But I, I think it's very close between Wisconsin and Minnesota, and I will be excited to watch both teams' seasons unfold. Yeah, I think uh, Iowa and Northwestern enjoy the role that they have, which is they're all uh, they're they're kind of in that once every five year type rotation. Is you got to watch them, maybe Iowa a little bit more than that, but you always have to keep your eye on them. I just don't think either team this year is in the position where they can keep up with either Wisconsin or Minnesota, and uh, this will be a big year for PJ Fleck in Minnesota. You know, he wins eleven games last season, but he did not win the West, and I could see, given some of the success that he's had in recruiting Andy, if he can build on that 11-win season this year, then he's going to set himself up for continued future success there in Minnesota. I think most of us thought when he went there, he would do what he did at Western Michigan. He'd get him respectable, and then he'd parlay that respectability into another job somewhere else. I really don't think Minnesota is a bad job um, if he can build on the success this year. Then you get the belief that you have ingrained in people, and maybe you start to get some of those big offensive line recruits away from Iowa and away from Wisconsin, kids who want to play up there uh, in that area. But this could also be a year where I could see Minnesota struggling big time on defense and uh, finishing up around 500. And in that situation, then I think uh, what we saw out of the Gophers last year is kind of a one-year aberration as opposed to them becoming a force in the Big Ten West. Well, what I will say is that I think this is the first year P.J. Fleck has kind of a target on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Like at Western Michigan, he was in and out so quick. People knew who he was for a season, and then he was at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then last year with the Gophers, no one expected them to do as well as they did. He, he, he exceeded every expectation I had for that Minnesota football team last year. Built a great thing there. But this is, again, the, like I just said, the first season – people will actually be looking at one of his teams as a contender. Minnesota has a target. People know it's them in Wisconsin in the West this year. So how does does that pressure change anything for him? I think this will be a season we find out a lot about him as a coach. I'll be interested to see if he's in at Minnesota for the long haul. And like, long haul. And like you said, it's all about the recruiting bases, right? Mm-hmm. Can you start convincing guys, four- and five-star guys, maybe not five-star guys, but at least four-star guys, to attend cold weather, Minnesota, convince them this is the best place for their future. Um, because really, without recruiting, you can't take that next step in the college football world today. Yeah, and he has to get those stars out of Creighton-Durham High School up there. He has to get the guys out of uh, the Twin Cities area, the the Chris Winkies, the James Laurinaitis, the guys who have gotten away, the Steve Walshes, the guys who have gotten away in the past to go play somewhere else. <clears throat> If B.J. Fleck can get those guys, then he can build. Of course, recruiting is not a problem for Ohio State. The Buckeyes are crushing it in recruiting. They'll have a host of freshman-wide receivers this year whose names you don't know now, but you probably will know. Penn State would love to have Julian Fleming, I'm sure, but he got away. He's at Ohio State. We'll talk more about the Buckeyes momentarily. First, a quick reminder for those of you who are watching us on the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch, hit that follow button in the top right-hand corner of the Twitch screen. You'll be notified every time we go live. That's all we're asking today. Hit the follow button. Enjoy the in-studio fun of Twitch TV with us right here on the Chris Landry Football Show and our friends in the Big 12 in defense of the Big 12. 
come up at the top of the hour. Andy and I are with you at 10 o'clock every Monday morning in the East. All right, uh, most intriguing player to you in the Big Ten, Andy. There are a lot of players we already know about, uh, but there are players who are asked to be stepping in, filling big shoes. If they have a transformative year, uh, they can really sway things. You mentioned Tanner Morgan was that kind of a player for Minnesota last season. Uh, if you had to cite an intriguing player, maybe not uh, a first-team All-American type, maybe not a national award type at this juncture, but somebody that if he has a year, he could really lift his team, really elevate his team, and make it a special year. Do you have an intriguing player in mind? Well, yeah, absolutely. For me, I mentioned him earlier. It's Joe Milton. Uh, the quarterback situation at Michigan has been a storyline since Harbaugh entered the program. And again, like I said, Shea Patterson, you thought was the answer the past couple seasons and mixed returns. He had some good games for sure. Um, but Joe Milton, to beat out Dylan McCaffrey, every indication is that Dylan McCaffrey transferred because Milton was winning that competition. Mm-hmm. To beat out Dylan McCaffrey, win the starting role as a fairly young player, someone we haven't seen a whole lot from. Uh, even in garbage time in games. He entered for a couple snaps against Ohio State last year with that loss through an interception, if I remember correctly. But I'm I'm excited to see such a big body, strong arm, fairly mobile, I think, too. Uh, Not to the extent Dylan McCaffrey was, but can definitely have some of that escapability that you need uh, if you're facing a strong pass rush. And can the offensive line protect him, too? Uh, keep him clean. I'm, I, I, he's a huge wild card quarterback for me. I don't know what he's going to be for Michigan this year. Yeah, I, I am with you there. Joe Milton is extremely intriguing to me, and uh, I, I am intrigued almost as much by him as a runner and how much they run him as I am by his throwing. We all saw his arm last year. It is unquestionably a great arm, but it takes more than just a strong arm to become a great quarterback. And that's why my intriguing player is going to be somebody who can support Joe Milton. They have not had the kind of tailback, the kind of rushing attack that I have anticipated they would have under Jim Harbaugh for as long as he has been there. So they seem to be very excited about Giles Jackson, the kid who scored Michigan's first touchdown last year in their game against Ohio State up in Ann Arbor. So I'm going to take Giles Jackson. Now, he's not, as far as I know, the far and away tailback. Uh, he may be outflanked outside sometimes. I, I wonder if they're going to use him like they use Jabril Peppers on offense and move him around a lot. But they need a playmaker on offense. You can have a quarterback, and that's fine. But you do have to have somebody you can get the ball in their hands and have them do something special with it. I don't think Chris Evans is that guy. I don't think Zach Charbonnet is that guy. It's tough for a tight end to be that guy. You need a speed guy who can get it in his hands, and he can absolutely make it happen. And so for me, the most intriguing player, and we saw this with Rondale Moore a couple years ago at Purdue, Andy, that kind of a player, that electric kind of a player who you can move around and cause the defense to uh, focus on him or at times maybe even forget about him because of the way you formation him, I think Giles Jackson is the guy that I'm going to watch. And it would be easy to pick somebody from Ohio State, but – you know, look, I mean, we know what Justin Fields is. Uh, the, the only unknown with the Buckeyes really is, is it going to be a one or a two-headed monster at running back with Master Teague and Trey Sermon as they try to fill in for J.K. Dobbins, who had a 2,000-yard season last year? That one goes by the boards in a lot of people's eyes because they focused on the defensive improvement or they focused on what Justin Fields did for them. But 
The Buckeyes do have to replace a 2,000-yard rusher, the single-season record holder in Ohio State history. Oh, yeah. Um, the playmaking at Michigan it has been another interesting storyline because they've had great receivers that have come through there the past few years. I was I was shocked at how underutilized Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nikos Collins were throughout the season for Michigan, but especially against Ohio State. I think you have to challenge Ohio State down the field more than you have the past few years at Michigan. And if you, especially if you look back at the game in 2018, Nico Collins had some huge catches against Kendall, Kendall Sheffield, Ohio State's corner, really was some of uh, the best success Michigan had offensively in that game. Everyone was surprised at how well it really um, – subpar Ohio State defensive group, not bad Ohio State defensive group by program standards, was able to contain Michigan in that game. And I, I really thought it was because they didn't challenge the corners. Harbaugh has to show the ability, especially with a big-armed quarterback, to spread the ball down the field and use guys that you have on the edges that you've recruited to get. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that Nebraska matchup against Ohio State. Cornhuskers have a new offensive coordinator. His name is Matt Lubick. And if people say, wait a minute, that name sounds familiar. Well, sure it does. Sonny Lubick used to be the head coach at Colorado State. Matt Lubick is his son. Matt Lubick was with Scott Frost at Oregon. Scott Frost would dearly love to come up with the kind of high-powered offense that he had when he was out there with the Ducks, Andy. But uh, I just don't know. Uh, Scott Frost entering year three at Nebraska – uh, that was such a great feel-good story, Nebraska getting a guy that you know, had uh, been a legend at Nebraska, and they all thought he would duplicate the success that he had at Central Florida. I'm not saying it won't happen, but you and I just spent a considerable amount of time on this podcast talking about a possible successor to Wisconsin in the Big Ten West, and it was Minnesota. It wasn't Nebraska, and I guarantee you when the Nebraska folks hired Scott Frost, they thought when we were sitting here about on the cusp of the 2020 season, we'd be talking about the Nebraska Cornhuskers as a legit lead pipe threat in that Big Ten West. Yeah, it certainly hasn't gone down that way thus far. It's taken time for Frost to try and rebuild the program. Um, this will be a really important year for him, I think. Uh, didn't get any help from the scheduling because the – Big Ten headquarters has. No, that's their reward for fighting the conference right there. Absolutely. Uh, This isn't, but like I said, this is an important year. I think you really have to show some sort of momentum. You have to get some sort of momentum going in this program because this season isn't the year to win the Big Ten West. That's fine. But you really have to start rolling in and contending in year four. Year four is always just. You should be a contender by year four of any coach's tenure because now you have your guys in the program. It's the fourth year of your recruits. Your recruits are seniors or redshirt juniors. You might have a few fifth-year guys from the previous tenure. But year four is just really important for a head coach. We talked about Tom Herman last week, and he's in year four. And look at all the lashback he's gotten for where Texas is because it's his guys now. That's the case for Scott Frost next year. So you really, you may, I don't think it's make or break that you contend in the Big Ten West this year, but it is next year. And it will be important for Nebraska to build that momentum going into next season. We want to thank those of you who found us on Twitch TV. That's twitch.tv forward slash the Chris Landry football show. Two things that I hit that follow button. It's the little heart in the bottom right hand side of the screen. That'll send you a notification every time we go live. 
and a link to the show. And secondly, chat with us on Twitch. Hi, say hi, say uh, you guys are crazy, you guys forgot about so-and-so, and we'll give you a shout-out back as we'll be able to see uh, your comments right here on the screen. You know, I thought Scott Frost was on track when he brought his first Nebraska team into Ohio Stadium. They played great that day, 36, I think, 35, or maybe it was a six-point margin. Uh, Nebraska missed some opportunities in that game. Uh, They will come back on Saturday without J.D. Spielman, who's always had a really good game against Ohio State. J.D. Spielman, the adopted son of Rick Spielman, Minnesota Vikings general manager, has transferred to TCU. And uh, Frost, to me, looks like he has a lot of work to do rebuilding that defense, and he's not going to get any any leeway from Ohio State because the Buckeyes uh, thrilled to be out there on the uh, turf in Ohio Stadium having believed ever since their loss to Clemson last year in the playoff game, Andy, that they were uh, worthy of playing for the title last season and expecting to play for the title this year. So that's going to be a very single-minded team that Scott Frost and Nebraska Cornhuskers run into on Saturday at noon. Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's about time to look at this Ohio State team. So why are we thinking, for those who listen to us and aren't in – with the Ohio State crowd as much, maybe you listen as a fan of the Big Ten. Why is Ohio State looked at, despite having not even played a game this season, as the main challenger to Clemson? Because obviously that challengers are coming from the ACC. We've seen it. Notre Dame, 12-7 against Louisville this weekend. I, I don't think there's a team that could stand up to Clemson in the ACC. I thought that might be Miami. Obviously not. Uh, and Miami was a real team. So... And we thought it might be North Carolina. Now North Carolina's gone into Tallahassee and gotten beat by Florida State. Right. I think I might have said something about pumping the brakes on I believe you did last week, pumping the brakes on North Carolina. That was your you can't handle the truth. Yeah. Um, So, anyway, I was right there. But Ohio State this season, they return. I think they'll have the best offensive line in the country. Uh, You consider you return an All-American at guard in Wyatt Davis, a Remington – candidate, maybe even the favorite to win the Remington at center, Josh Myers. You'll have a former five-star at the opposite guard, Harry Miller, his first year as a starter, but rave reviews. A left tackle, Thayer Munford, a returning All-Big Ten performer. Right tackle will be Nicholas petit Frayer, most likely in his third year with the program, another former five-star recruit who spent a lot of time learning and growing behind Brandon Bowen in that position and who I think will act eventually succeed Brandon Bowen as a better player mm-hmm. at the right tackle spot. Obviously the Heisman candidate at quarterback, everybody knows Justin Fields, uh, the question mark at running back, I think will be answered. Well, Trey Sermon uh, is what this offense is looking for. If Teague shows a better lateral mobility as a runner, he could really factor in as a power option. Uh, Tight end, Luke Farrell and Jeremy Ruckert and even Jake Hausman. Receivers, you've got a, a really deep, young receiving core. Uh, Chris Olave might be one of the best in the country this year. Same for Garrett Wilson. Defense is the only place there are question marks for this team. They're going to have one of, if not the best offense in college football this year. Uh, and really, the only question, big question mark from defense is in the secondary. Uh, when you talk about Sean Wade is back at one corner, but the other three starters are going to be new. Marcus Williamson's kind of an underrated guy, and I'll be really um, excited to see how he performs at that slot corner position. Is he the answer there? Uh, safety, 
This is an interesting storyline, too. So Ohio State's only going one high again this year. That was confirmed last week. And I want to know your thoughts on this, Bruce. So we have all season long, we thought Josh Proctor, or all, all this past year, we thought Josh Proctor was the clear heir apparent to Jordan Fuller at the free safety spot. Now, all the message we're getting is that it will be split time or that the competition is still unfolding between him and Marcus Hooker, younger brother of Malik Hooker, former All-American safety for Ohio State and uh, first-round draft pick now with the Colts. So is it an indictment against Proctor that he wasn't what he thought the staff, uh, the staff thought he was going to be? Is it that Marcus Hooker was a lot better than we thought that the staff thought he was going to be? Or maybe is it a combination of the two? Or do we have reason to be confident in both those guys, or do we have reason to be worried about these two guys? Well, I think when you go back and you watch the tape of the Fiesta Bowl, there were a few instances where Josh Proctor was out there and uh, had opportunities to make tackles and did not. And uh, we saw what the consequences of that is. You know, Trevor Lawrence goes the distance and uh, Travis Etienne goes the distance. So I think uh, Ohio State's coaches are open to finding somebody who's maybe a little bit more of a sure tackler. And uh, that is something that when you're playing one high uh, at safety position – Missed tackles aren't good. And so I, I tend to believe that uh, because of the amount of talent on the Ohio State roster, if a guy steps up and, you know, is the proverbial bracketed player on the depth chart, then he's earned it. Uh, a year ago, we expected uh, Brendan White to have a great year coming off uh, Rose Bowl MVP defensive performance. Uh, he didn't hardly get on the field because Pete Werner – became the kind of a player that we didn't know he could become. And I think that might be what we see at a couple of positions for the Ohio State defense this year. It could be Hooker at the safety position. It could be uh, maybe Sean Wade is an even better uh, wide side corner than we thought. I mean, we know he can play slot corner. we see if he can play the wide side of the field. Maybe it's uh, Zach Harrison, who I don't see conceivably how Ohio State's pass rush could possibly be as good as it was a year ago without Chase Young, Robert Landers, Devon Hamilton, but maybe it will be. I just know when you stack up talent the way Ohio State stacks up talent, uh, that gives you two things. It gives you, uh, number one, of course, great ability, but number two, great competition. And great competition is what leads to breakout players that you've never heard from before. So I don't think Ohio State is going to be weak at any position out there. And if an underclassman is uh, challenging an upperclassman like a Josh Proctor, then uh, that's only going to make Proctor better, which clearly from the Fiesta Bowl needs to happen, at least in some isolated cases. And it's also going to encourage those other younger players under him. We're going to see this at the wide receiver position. Uh, I mean, the wide receivers that they brought in are just ridiculous. And uh, I don't know how that's going to shake out. It reminds me of the, the old classic, like, a bunch of hungry dogs in a room and you throw one stake in there and let the toughest one be the one who comes out with it. But, man, at the wide receiver position, uh, beyond Garrett Wilson, beyond Chris Olave, beyond Jamison Williams, there's room for another young man to step in there and play. And I really can't, cannot wait to see who that is that, Justin, that forms a bond with Justin Fields and gives Ohio State yet another big play threat. Right. Uh, they actually surveyed a bunch of Ohio State writers uh, – 
who was that? It was Buckeye Sports Bulletin surveyed 35 Ohio State beat writers of a number of questions about the Ohio State football team. The majority, I think it was above 50%, said they believe their bre- the breakout freshman for this year will be Jackson Smith Jigba, who is one of those four big-time receiver mm-hmm. recruits, guy who caught over 2,000 yards worth of passes at uh, Texas High School last season. I forget which exact, which high school it was, but he was over 2,000 yards receiving. I remember when I was looking um, up his stats, I was writing for the Lantern at the time, and I, I saw that I saw the number of yards, the number of touchdowns he had, and I thought it was a career number. Turns out it's just a season number. So he's something special for the future. And he's not even the highest rated guy they got. No, I know. Julian Fleming was the number one receiver in the class. Uh, so you have a number of breakout candidates at that position. I wouldn't be surprised to see multiple of them break out. And G. Scott has looked incredible in camp. Every time I see uh, him on video from, you know, they post camp highlights. He's making one-handed catches, huge catch radius, really fast player too. So any one of those freshmen and maybe multiple could be huge this season at receiver for Ohio State. Yeah, and I've seen great things said also about Mookie Cooper. He's in that uh, he's in that group as well. All right, a reminder that the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast official coffee is Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. You get 15% off when you use the promo code Uh, Big Ten, in all caps, Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. Why is it the best coffee? Well, they buy it from growers around the world. They buy it direct. The growers get more money because they don't have to go through government middlemen. They're allowed then to do great things and conduct commerce in their local communities, but you get the best coffee you've ever tasted. Trust me on that. Everybody that orders from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters orders again because it is so good. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com, promo code BIG10 in all caps, and you will get 15% off. All right, Andy, it's come to that point of the podcast where we uh, we issue a cold, hard truth. Last week you hit it out of the park with North Carolina, so let's see what we have in store this week. You can't handle the truth! Well, I kind of want to talk about my dark horse in the Big Ten for this segment. Uh, I think Indiana will surprise people this year. Am I picking them over Penn State? Not necessarily, but I think that'll be a great game. Um, getting Peyton Hendershot back after it was uncertain that he was going to be on the team following some legal trouble in the offseason is big for them. Uh, when you look at all they have back on offense, between 10x at quarterback, between Stevie Scott at running back, um, and the uh, the offensive line has a question marks that returns a lot of people as well. Defense returns nine starters, and like I said, not known for their defense. Indiana has been in the past few years as their offense has developed. That's kind of been the one side that they need. It's the piece that they need to take the next step. But when you return nine guys, you run a fairly unique scheme in the four two five that teams could. It can confuse teams sometimes to see that alignment on defense, uh, kind of mix in some odd fronts and looks with that. Um, they're my dark horse team in the Big Ten this year. Uh, so that's kind of part one of my you can't handle the truth. My other, I actually have a second truth today. All right, what is it? I think people put way too much stock into the early AP poll and coaches poll rankings in college football. Uh, I heard someone make an argument in a previous season, and obviously this is in 2020 because you've got teams starting at such different times. But it might start being the case that we should move away from having week one rankings because the bias that incurs from that. Take a team like Auburn. Auburn 
is now unranked, and they were number seven when they played Georgia. Does Georgia now get credit for a top ten victory because it beat a team that went on to struggle against Arkansas and then lose to South Carolina, who was one and two? But so you have to look at the actual value of a team before you can make a determination. There's so many question marks coming in, and people put so much stock into these uh, early season rankings and these off season rankings especially the pundits and the decision makers and the college football playoff committee. Um, and I, I thought it was ridiculous that North Carolina was ranked fifth last week. Turns out I was right. Yep. Uh, I, you, I just think we need a more conscientious approach to how we do the rankings. If they're going to be, I'm, you know, I'm fine with having a preseason top 25, but you need to enter with the thought process of, Hey, just because a team is ranked, Number seven in week two doesn't mean they're actually the seventh best team in college football this season. And that needs to be taken into account at the end of the year when the college football playoff is chosen. And we haven't seen that in years past. Teams get credit for high-end wins that weren't actually high-end wins when those teams were exposed later on. Yeah, that's a great point. I would be for, if you want to have a preseason poll for attention, great. And then let's take a month off. We got uh, a decent sample size then and we can rank some teams. So uh, that is Andy's. You can't handle the truth, and like I said, he was dead on the money last week about the Tar Heels as they headed to Tallahassee. You can't handle the truth! Uh, Mine is regarding this lawsuit uh, by former Iowa players, African-American players, uh, led by Akram Wadley, Kevontae Martin-Manley, two guys who are high on the career list at running back and wide receiver. Uh, They are demanding $10 million from Iowa by today, and the... uh, you know, I'm not making any comment on the merits of their lawsuit, but I think when you demand the firing of the athletic director, uh, head coach Kirk Ferentz, and assistant coach Brian Ferentz, no university is in a position in the course of a several-day period to bend to the kind of demands that were made regarding uh, those uh, earth-shattering personnel changes. Uh, there was uh, a study done by a law firm at Iowa this summer. They... Uh, acknowledge some issues uh, in the same vicinity of these voiced by these former players. Uh, Again, they uh, may have entirely legitimate concerns, uh, but to demand the firing of uh, an AD, a head coach, and an offensive coordinator on the cusp of the season beginning uh, and putting a October 19th timetable on it with the threat of filing a civil dis- uh, a civil lawsuit if they are not given the demands that they uh, stated, I think is uh, unrealistic and almost feels like extortion to me. Um, I think I would assume if you enter into a situation like this, your long-term goal is solution to the issues that uh, you found to be lacking in the program. And uh, I just don't think those kinds of solutions – uh, can be done on the short, compressed time period that they gave Iowa to react to this. So that would be my you-can't-handle-the-truth moment. Before we get on out of here, Andy, any uh, final thoughts on the games this weekend? We'll run through the slate for you one more time. Rutgers is at Michigan State. That's the debut of Mel Tucker. Maryland is at Northwestern. Uh, a big second year for Mike Loxley. He needs to build on some of the recruiting success that he's had. They need to try to keep a quarterback healthy. Uh, Andy and I both think Penn State at Indiana is going to be um, a very interesting football game. Illinois is at Wisconsin with Graham Murs making his first start for the Badgers. Michigan is at Minnesota. That one is a 
by far and away, I think, the best game of the weekend. The Iowa road trip to Purdue uh, may involve or may not involve Jeff Brom, the head coach at Purdue. He has a, a positive test, but we're waiting on a second confirmation test. And if it's con- if it's confirmed, Andy, am I right? He's out 21 days? That is correct. Wow, that'd be a big loss for Purdue as Jeff Brom's their play caller and uh you know, that would just be – that's very difficult uh, for any team to overcome that. And then, of course, Nebraska at Ohio State. So those are our games this weekend. Andy, any final thoughts? Uh, Iowa-Purdue is one last interesting game I think we didn't touch on as much, but especially with what's going on outside the program right now with the, the suit you just mentioned, will it, will it bring them closer as a team or will it split them apart? And I, this season – this weekend is the first real test of that. Uh, Purdue – is a definitely a team that could pull the upset here, uh, especially with the players, you know, the weapons they return on offense, the creative play calling. If Jeff Brom doesn't come up with that second positive, which is expected, he will. Uh, that doesn't mean their offense is going to be uh, just completely null because Jeff Brom is out of the game. It'll hurt for sure, mm-hmm. but I think it'll. There are a lot of. It's another game where I think there are a lot of interesting storylines, uh, ongoing things that are outside the scope of this season. Um, so that's another game I look forward to watching this weekend, along with the Penn State Indiana game, the Michigan Minnesota game, and obviously the Ohio State Nebraska game. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to that one as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, Iowa quarterback Spencer Petrus will make his first career start in that one. So uh, we're glad we have football to talk about. We will be back on Monday with actual games to discuss. That'll be exciting. We hope you all have. A great weekend. Uh, Thank you for watching us on the Chris Landry Football channel on Twitch. Twitch.tv forward slash Chris Landry Football Show. Share the Twitch show link to any one of your social media platforms. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whichever one you wish. Go to the bottom of the screen, right-hand side. Click on the share button and send it off. Tell us where you send it in the chat room. We'll give you a shout-out. Enjoy our friends from the Big 12 with In Defense of the Big 12 at the top of the hour. Have a great week, and enjoy football wherever you are.